I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is the We Are Going Up podcast. We've got the Football League covered. Hello everyone, welcome to episode 112 of We Are Going Up. Take your shoes off at the door, make yourself feel comfortable and everything. Jim, have you brought them a cup of tea? I've got my shoes off. Okay, have you? <laughs> yep, yeah. actually, no. no, no. You, might I was, you haven't. I, it's fine, it's an audio podcast. Uh, sorry. Nobody's going to know. Um, I'm Mark Crossley. Jim Knight is here. I think he's still wandering around in a bit of a daze, aren't you, after yeah, Friday yeah, I've night? Still got, I've got a permanent smile on my face after and the Friday And that 4-1 thrashing of Derby by Leicester. But David Cameron Walker, well, there's a big gap. This is my coat where he would normally be sat. <laughs> Try to mock up Dave yeah. like, out of our coats and jackets. So he's of... not here, um, so I don't know where when we're busy now. We're recording this Monday night. I've got a theory, Jim. Yeah, go on. I think he's bagged a freebie. Free work. Blagged, blagged his way in. He's blagged his way to the Ballon d'Or. What it, do you reckon? That's a hell of a blag if he has. <laughs> Fantastic work. So we're going to give him a ring later. I believe he is going to come on for the weekend review and we'll find out if he's actually at the Ballon d'Or. I've got a feeling the reason isn't going to be quite as exciting as that. Uh, before we get cracking, a quick reminder to head over to audible.co.uk slash going up. If you like a free one-month trial and a free audiobook of your choosing, all thanks to Audible, the offer is still there. And Jim, you've got a couple of uh, books on there that you, you think are worth a, worth a shout. Yeah, um, Fear and Loathing in La Liga by Sid Lowe is really, really good. And one non-football, but still Ooh, sporting cool. that I read a couple of years ago. It was on the William Hill uh, Sports Book of the Year prize for 2012, I think. It's Fibber in the Heat by Miles Jupp and it's a really good um, tale speaking of blagging your way into stuff yeah. basically blags his way into the press corps for the England-India tests right. um, and follows England round and has kind of chance meetings with uh, NASA and Jeffrey Boycott and various other kind of cricket personalities funny guy funny book get him in the team yeah, get him in the team definitely worth a look can't do any worse um, and also on there I should mention that Sven my story wow. is available that's a hell so of a read you, you as a Leicester fan can yeah. have a little read of that I'm sure we'll be in the back somewhere you've just you you just said to me off air that you've not watched uh, Sherlock was on on Sunday night yet. No. When you do, there'll be a character in it. Very similar to Sven. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. Later in the show then, we're going to be uh, talking about the events of the weekend, including a bit more on Leicester. We'll talk about Charlton and their bloody pitch again. Uh, the transfer window, uh, Peterborough imploding and that Gillingham awake it. Ouch. Uh, plus we'll speak to friend of the show, Chris Sumter, who is the sports editor at the Scunthorpe Telegraph. Stunning start by Russ Wilcox at Scunthorpe. Seven wins, two draws from nine games, including the latest, the 2 win at Mansfield on Saturday. The iron two points clear in the transfer window. Five players have come in. Uh, two points clear and in the transfer window. Five players have already come in. You can't be two points clear within the transfer window, if you get what I'm saying. <laughs> First, though, quickly moving on. There's only one place to begin, and you can see where that is from the title of the show this week. We are starting at Hillsborough, because just like seven days ago, we have got another debacle of a Leeds United performance to talk about. Last week, we focused on the victors Rochdale, who dumped them out of the FA Cup. Uh, but this week, the spotlight has definitely got to be on Brian 
um, and his side. They are now six games without a win in all competitions and that 6-0 defeat to Sheffield Wednesday on Saturday lunchtime was the club's heaviest league defeat for a massive 55 years. Let's speak to a man who was there reporting on it and presumably couldn't wait to get to the nearest boozer uh, afterwards. He is Phil Hay, who's the chief football writer for the Yorkshire Evening Post. Phil, thank you very much for coming on the show. Uh, Brian McDermott called it a public humiliation. How did that rank in terms of the worst Leeds United performances you've covered in your time? I think the, I think the worst I've seen, although I, I would say that over the last seven or eight years, there have been a few um, to <laughs> compare it to. Rochdale being one, and others going back, Histon away was, was a debacle. Um, Hereford away was, was quite a key moment in Simon Grayson's time as manager. But I think I, I think for, for pure surrender and, and, uh, and also the... The sort of fear that the the scoreline was going to run to seven, eight, nine, ten. Um, I I haven't seen anything like that in in almost eight years of doing this job. And to be honest, looking back at the record, neither, the records neither of the club. Um, I mean, there, there have only been in you know almost a hundred years of their history, there have only been three results worse in terms of the the margin of defeat. Um, and that's in amongst some you know four and a half thousand games to, to uh, really really sort of rough estimate. So it was desperate. It was seriously desperate. And, and you were talking about running to the nearest boozer. I mean, as, as the fourth, fifth, sixth goals were going in, you were sitting there thinking, please just get us out of out of here because it was it was getting very ugly towards the end. And you know, a, a seriously damaging day and the sort of day that, that takes a while to get over. And I think that's why McDermott had the players in the following day. I think he'd just reached the point where you know line had been crossed in terms of the performances and, and certainly that result and I think given how, it, how it's been going not just on Saturday but, but for a few weeks now I think he really felt that the issues had to be addressed and, and that everybody needed to have their say What uh, what do you think is harder for the Leeds fans to take losing 2-0 to a, a League 2 side or losing 6-0 to a, a local rival in that fashion? To be honest I always think there's a, a bigger picture to this and I, I there is obviously the the element of humiliation that comes with a result like that. I mean, Rochdale in isolation, it, it does happen, you know, every couple of sets. And, and Leeds haven't really been on the end of one since 2008 when they, they lost down at, at Histon. But, you know, at the same time, an, an embarrassing result all the same. And, and it is not nice getting turned over at Sheffield Wednesday in the way that they did. But the real frustration is more the fact that you look at the, the performances and, and those two results. And, and really the results going back to the, the game at, um, at Nottingham Forest on December the 29th and you just have that horrible feeling of a season that looks like it's imploding or, or certainly a season where the wheels are coming off and when you think that this is the 10th straight season Leeds have had since they were relegated from the Premier League and with no Premier League football in that time you know you, you can understand why the panic and the, and the disquiet spreads because people look at it again and think is this another year that, that's going to be wasted and I don't think they're at that stage yet Leeds in the sense that the league table is still relatively healthy but I certainly think the problems at the moment are, are fairly ingrained and I think it, unless they're resolved very quickly and, and you know in a, a really convincing way it does look like this is going to be another season that, that maybe just passes Leeds by. Is there one central thing uh, one central reason or factor that you can kind of attribute this poor run to or is it just a combination of things all going wrong at the same time and just kind of becoming uh, a, a larger issue at hand? Yeah I think that's probably right I think it's factors contributing to the you know sort of 
bigger malaise. It's not a huge squad at Leeds, and it's or at least the, the the parts of the squad that McDermott seems willing to rely on are not huge. And certainly the squad he took from Neil Warnock was imbalanced. It wasn't perfect. When he, he picked it up, it was badly out of form and was was well on the way to relegation um, until he, he picked up a result at home to Sheffield Wednesday and at home to Burnley. You know that that squad was in trouble. Um, and he signed two players last week, two wingers, um, Cameron Stewart and Jimmy Kebby, and that is the first time, really, since he's been at the club that he's had two wingers of, of real championship standard. So for that reason alone, he's he's not been able to play 4-4-2, which, regardless of what he says, does tend to be his preferred formation. The team's become a bit predictable. He, he played five across midfield and three at the back, and it was, on its day, a very good formation. But you just got the feeling, you know, over Christmas, that teams are starting to, to work leads out. And I'd also say that the, the reliance on a... You know, a, a small core of players, heavy reliance guys like uh, Ross McCormack, Rudy Austin, who who really haven't had a break, has, has started to tell. Um, so yeah, all, all that together has really come to a head. And I think on Saturday you were you were looking at a team who just lost their way badly. How much of the blame should McDermott take for that then? Because you talked about the formations. I, I noticed uh, just from a little look on Twitter and so on, it's been a quite a big uh, topic of discussion amongst Leeds fans, and they did seem to get overrun in those wide areas quite a lot. I mean, the second goal being the perfect example. Yeah, no question. Um, I, I think that was a, a major error on his part, the, the 3-4-3 formation. It surprised me. It surprised a lot of other people because with Kebby and Stewart coming in, you, you thought that the, the resources he had were tailor-made for 4-4-2. You thought it would have been a more stable and a slightly safer approach especially on the back of the Rochdale game, which was so poor. And bearing in mind that he went 3-4-3 at Rochdale and really suffered in the same way. The two uh, the two wide midfielders, never quite sure when they should be hanging back, when they should be bombing on. An awful lot of space for both Wednesdays and Rochdale's wide players to play in. And, and really a system that, that both teams seem to find very easy to exploit. I mean, I if you're asking me for, for one reason why I think Leeds are really struggling at the moment, I, I think more than anything, it's the ball retention. And I think in the centre, in midfield particularly they aren't strong enough or dominant enough and, and what they're finding is that they're chasing possession an awful lot during games when really it would be far more preferable to be to be controlling the play to be dictating possession to be on the ball for far more than they are and, and I think that's having an impact on their, their fitness and their condition I think a lot of the players look tired and, and it just does just make them susceptible to a result like Saturday where once Wednesday got on top and started to run riot you, you just didn't see any way that, that Leeds could keep them out and, and hold them back and I think he's he's got his two wingers now as McDermott we, we know he wants a new striker as well but I think some work on the middle, you know, the middle of his team, the centre of midfield, is is pretty imperative if if the last few games are a fair reflection of how the squad stands. I was uh, I was watching the highlights um, earlier before we came into the studio just to kind of get a refresher on this, and I was just appalled by some of the defending. It was it was comically bad to the point where I had to kind of question whether is it the squad that are missing leaders, that someone to organise and get the team kind of uh, motivated together, and people's heads are dropping after that second goal went in, and obviously the red card, or is it just a case of people uh, as Dermot lost the dressing room. Are people just not trying for for the club, or, or is that the first? No, can I say the first goal was comical? There was yeah. like five players being uh, played on side by Peltier. Yeah, yeah, and you know the the second one you could point fingers at, at Peltier for not tracking one that, back. Yeah. At, you know Tom Lee's for stepping inside when when he didn't need to. I mean Zaliukas had um, had one of those days where you know you could have pointed the finger at him for three or four of the goals, and there was a back flick from him towards the end of the game, you know, 89th, 90th minute, that into his own box that was just 
absolutely ludicrous. And I don't think at that stage, you know, however many goals down they were at that point, four or five, I don't think that's an overconfident player. I think that's a player who is just lost all judgment at that stage and you know is, is clearly rattled and I, you know I, I saw him on the pitch afterwards and he, he did look very shaky and I think that was an extremely hard game for him to take and you know I I always feel that, that you know the phrase losing the dressing room is is a bit too easy to, to throw out I don't really get that impression at Leeds I get the, the feeling that most of the players like McDermott I think most of the way through this season the, they've understood what he's been asking from them they've been pretty pretty happy with his management they've been pretty happy with his style I think the fact that so many of them look tired and are running out of steam and also will be suffering on the basis that they're they're not getting results and they're taking pretty severe criticism from us and from you know from the supporters as well it's not going to be a happy camp but I don't think that's necessarily indicative of, of McDermott's management I just think it's inevitable on the basis of how the results are going and, and how they're playing but I agree this is when you need big characters and to be honest I thought Sheffield Wednesday was the day when you're looking for characters because they had a bad afternoon at Rochdale and to go there and play like that I think really explains why there was that meeting at Thorpe Arch on uh, the training ground on, on Sunday morning because it had just reached the stage where there, there clearly were issues that, that needed to be addressed and whether it's more leaders, whether it's, a, I don't know, a different captain, whether there, there are big changes to be made. I, I certainly think McDermott's going to have to take a few difficult decisions to, to sort this out. Well, look at the next three games. Um, if you're looking at it positively, they're all at home, which I suppose is is a good thing. But uh, Leicester, yeah. who are obviously on fire, Jim's team Leicester on fire, then you've got uh, Ipswich which you, I know that they lost on Saturday, but they've been on a nine-game unbeaten run before that. And Huddersfield, who just signed Naki Wells, won in the last minute of the weekend. So, I mean, what happens if, if Leeds don't win any of those three games? Good question. I, I don't think I, I don't think that can be allowed to happen. And and if it does, then we'd be talking nine games without a win. If worst case scenario, three defeats, then you'd be talking seven on the bounce. And I think no matter the faith in McDermott, and and I have to be honest, I, I have a lot in a lot of yeah. faith in him. I, I like what he's done with with the team. I like in the main. I like what he's done uh, with the infrastructure, of the club. He's made a lot of changes to the training ground and just the the way in which the club operates. And I think it's a long term option. And you know. He certainly wasn't asked to win promotion this season. Yeah. The, the owners do tend to see this as a, a two or three year plan. I think he's a very good one, and I think he's very, you know, very good for the club's stability and the, the sort of sense of perspective. But you know, seven defeats on the bounce or, or nine games without a win is a, is a really problematic period. And I think at that point, he, you know, without putting too fine a point on it, I think he he would be looking for his board to be backing him at that point. I think he would he would be crossing his fingers that the board still had faith because it is a, a fairly lengthy period but I think they do need to stick with him and I think you know considering that he's someone who who pretty much destroyed the championship with Reading I was going to say it's only a couple of years since he won ago. the division yeah, wasn't it so that has to be relevant and you know I, I think if, if you're going to if you're going to stick with somebody, if you're going to be lenient with somebody during difficult times, it, it has to be someone with a, a proven track record in this division. And, and he does have one. And clearly they're going through a really, really difficult time at the minute and, and a bad time. And, and he is paid. It's his job to, to sort it out. But someone tells me that he will do. And I, I have to say as well that second half of a championship season, I, I never, never really think the opposition are too significant. I just think every game is extremely hard because everybody is playing for something. So whether it's Huddersfield coming or whether it's Barnsley or, or anybody else, Leicester next weekend, it's you're never going to get three simple points out, out of the game. So the fact that it's Leicester next weekend, I, I certainly wouldn't write Leeds off. I don't think that's the way it works at all. But to say that it's a great game as McDermott did on Saturday, I'm not so sure <laughs> either. I think it's a, a, it's a real toughie. 
Uh, I wanted to ask where we're at with the, the takeover, Phil. Who are Andrew Flowers and, and David Hay? And I suppose the question Leeds fans desperately want to know is, will there be any more funds available this month? We've spoken already about a couple of additions in, in Stuart and Kebe, but is Madama going to get more funds to strengthen the squad? Is that is that takeover kind of close to fruition now? Well, it should be any day now. I mean, they, they've been saying that they're waiting for Football League approval for this to go through and that essentially everything else is agreed and in place and so on. So there doesn't seem any reason from what I can see for this to drag on much further I, I would be a little surprised if it doesn't go through this week to be honest I'll tell you what knowing our luck it'll probably be done by the time yeah, this goes out this goes out possibly, tomorrow we'll cut possibly, it all up and it'll yeah. go out um, but I mean that, that, is, that should be how it is you know this this should be should be pretty much ready to go Um yeah, I mean, they signed two players last week, Stuart and Kebby. Stuart uh, will um, sign on a permanent basis in the summer. Kebby is on loan till the end of the season. I, I think both deals will have cost a, a fair amount of money. Kebby in particular, I mean, he's not on a small wage at Palace, so not inconsiderable signings. And they were in for Ashley Barnes, who, who went to, to Burnley instead on Friday morning. So I would suggest that, yeah, he will have more money to spend, presuming that, that he can afford to go after the people he wants to, um, presuming that there are, are, are now, you know, now that Barnes has gone, there are others strikers out there that, that kind of fit into his plans in the way that the Barnes would have done. Um, any, any truth in the Max Gradle rumours? No, I don't think so and particularly after, they, they certainly did um, they certainly did approach San Etienne um, and, and he was technically speaking a target but um, with Kebby and, and Stuart signing last week I, I don't think there's any scope for a third winger coming in, I don't think it would be prudent to be, to be pushing money in that direction. I would have thought as things stand a striker and a central midfielder will be will be very, very high on his list. They could do with a spare goalkeeper. It's not essential, but they, they really don't have any backup for, for Paddy Kenny at the moment. Um, but the awkward thing about days like Saturday is that you look at the way the defence played and you, you kind of start asking yourself, well, you know, do, do they need another centre-back? But there is going to be a limit to how much he can spend. Mm. I don't think he's going to have carte blanche to just pay whatever he wants to pay for whoever he, he needs. But I would be surprised if we get to the end of the month and there haven't been at least another two additions. I think that's I think that's got to happen if the season's going to go anywhere now. Um, we can't get you on without asking you a bit about this uh, this deal that everyone will have read about last week with the San Francisco 49ers mm, yeah. uh, in the NFL. Um, explain a little bit about this because I've read that um, they're going to send sort of representatives over to Leeds and sort of a talk about ticket strategies and business commercial stuff. Is, is that the way it's going to work? Yeah, and there is a delegation coming over. I have to say, if I was working at Leeds, I think I'd have tried to arrange the meeting for San Francisco and got a, got a little <laughs> holiday over there. But um, they, they will be coming over in the next few weeks. I think this is essentially a, a commercial initiative and it's more than anything it's a comparison between the business models of the two clubs and the, and the operations particularly things like ticketing and, and retailing uh, commercial strategy sponsorship all that type of stuff I mean the, the 49ers are about to move to a new stadium which um, which is very very big sponsorship um, uh, contract on it as far as I'm aware and they're a, a hugely successful club I think they see themselves as, as very much pioneers in the NFL um, so I think that that is the, the long and short of it they want to see Leeds in particular want to see if they can learn anything from the 49ers and a ditto San Francisco see what what they can pick up from the English football market and, and the way in which Leeds work um, I don't think there'd be much scope for trading players although mm-hmm. I suppose you you never know you never know it, it wouldn't be the first time that players have, have crossed well, they might do a better job than those that play of the week 
weekend. So, oh, well, this is the thing. Yeah, I think a couple of linebackers would have been. Yeah, I think the San Francisco the defense probably would have put up more, uh, <laughs> more, more of a fight. Yeah, more of a fight than uh, some of the centre backs did. <laughs> Phil, on um, one more question just before you go. It's about. I thought we'd end on a positive note. It's about yeah. Ross McCormack, who is the uh, the top scorer in the championship this season. I suppose he he's been the sort of one standout player this campaign. How important is it that, that Leeds keep hold of him? Oh, very, and and I do think they will. The, the, it was, he was very, very close to going actually in the summer, um, or at least Middlesbrough were, were really knocking on the door hard, and um, Leeds nipped that in the bud by giving him a four-year contract, which I have to say is a really serious commitment to a player of 27. You don't see that much in the Championship these days. The, the trend in the fashion tends to be for, for shorter deals, certainly as, as players creep towards the 30s. But um, his finishing has been first-rate this season. And I think the thing about him is, I've, I've obviously watched him at Leeds for, for three and a half years now, and I would say that this season is probably the first time that I've really got the impression that he's 100% happy and settled and comfortable in his surroundings. I think he feels like a Leeds United player this season. And I think he feels like the, the supporters have warmed him, like his own form's kicking in and, and that he, he really is starting to find a niche. Because if you remember his first year here, he came, he was high-profile signing by Simon Grayson and, and he hardly got a game. I think he scored once or, or a couple of times in that season and, you know, it was he was like a bit part player and I spoke to him when he played in a reserve game towards the end of the season and he said, you know, he said, I'd almost have been better off staying at Cardiff City just to look at this season. And at that stage, he was really crossing his fingers mm-hmm. and hoping that he was going to be able to to get himself properly involved, but yeah, I mean he's been he's been absolutely superb. They they need somebody either to take the pressure off him in terms of goal scoring, or they need to find a forward who can play alongside him and, and work in a way that's going to keep him in goals for another two, three, four months this season and, and beyond. But I think the way things are, the the last few results they're on since Christmas, the idea of selling him is just ludicrous. I mean, they, they cannot do it. And <laughs> yeah. In all honesty, with him on 18 goals and tied down for another three and a half years, I, I just don't see anybody offering enough money to even make that that possible nice to talk to you Phil never never dull at Leeds is it there's it always a is. story it never is <laughs> good stuff thanks for coming on mate that is uh, Phil Hayes the chief football writer for the Yorkshire Evening Post and next we're going to swap Ellen Road for Glanford Park because the iron are on fire So Mansfield Town nil, Scunthorpe United 2 at the one call on Saturday and that's seven wins and two draws, can you believe, in nine games for the club since they sacked Brian Laws. A charge which is taken into the top of the League 2 table. In fact, Russ Wilcox yet to taste defeat since taking charge originally as caretaker and now as permanent manager. He's also shown he means business in the transfer market. Five new faces already, one of them being Paddy Madden, who you'll remember was top scorer with Yeovil in League 1 last season. So it's all good. Let's speak to a man who who uh, watches uh, Scunthorpe every single week. We've had him on the show before. It's Chris Sumter from the uh, Scunthorpe Telegraph, the sports editor. Chris, thank you very much for coming on the show. Uh, firstly, tell us a bit about the game on Saturday. I know you said it's difficult to pick out individuals at the moment because the whole team are playing so well, but that first goal on Saturday from Paul Hayes was was stunning. Yeah, it was indeed. What a beauty. And, um, and, and nine minutes... Um, into your first game back at a, at a club where you've you've achieved so much already and, and got some fantastic memories. It's uh, it's funny really, but but Paul Hayes and, and sort of Scunthorpe United just seems to work. Uh, I don't think anyone can put the finger on why, but you know elsewhere he's had plenty of, of spells and, and and it's never quite hit it off the way he has at Scunthorpe. But I mean, looking at the game itself, pretty much indicative of the way things are going for Scunthorpe at the moment. Perhaps a little bit steady out of the blocks. 
Um, but once they got their noses in front, they were very comfortable and, and you know very cool, calm and collected, and uh, and saw out the game's quite a professional performance. Really, withstood quite a, bit, a few um, hairy moments. Uh, but but once they kind of got on on top of Mansfield, they they never really looked back. So what's Russ Wilcox's secret then? How's he doing this? <laughs> it's, it's funny. I get, I've been asked this question quite a few times, and 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 it's it's no real one thing. But the, the things he has done is is have been simple things really. Um, first off. I think he's probably quite a different figure to to Brian Laws in terms of the way he, he interacts with players and the way he, he looks after the dressing room. He's a different kind of man-manager, if you like, I think. Um, he's a very, very positive person, quite reminiscent in, in some of the his sort of media interviews, I think, to, to Nigel Adkins, who was, you know, his man-management was second to none. He, he, he made players kind of believe they were possibly better than they were and, and, and got above average results out of average players, really. And, and Russ has kind of taken on that mantle and, and, and has sort of fulfilled a similar kind of, of, of job and, and comes across as that kind of figure. And in terms of things on the pitch, I think there's been a lot more stability in terms of the, the, the team lineup, particularly in, in terms of the, the front two. I mean, Dion Burton and, and Sam Winnell have been their front two for almost all the time that, that Russ has, uh, has been in charge and, and, and have developed a better partnership as a result of that, you know, not chopping and changing. So that's been one thing that they've, they've, they've had a settled lineup. Um, and also, really, it, it sounds daft, but, but there's been square pegs in square holes and, and not round ones. You know, everybody is playing in, in their naturally, in naturally best position and they're reaping the rewards. It, it, it sounds so straightforward and simple, but I think it showed that the potential has always been there. It's just been about, you know, trying to tie up one or two loose ends to get them to get them sort of fulfilling that potential. We've spoken briefly about Russ Wilcox and his, his kind of magic touch since he took over, but this job that has come about, he's been at Scunthorpe for a long, long time, hasn't he? His last six years of his playing career he spent there and then he kind of took over as caretaker manager a couple of times, followed Brian Laws around when he went to Sheffield Wednesday and then came back and then now he's taken permanent charge. Is he a club legend at Scunthorpe now, would you say? Um, yeah, probably so. Probably so. He's, he's certainly... He's, <laughs> if he is he's not going ready, about the right way well, if he's not. Course, yeah. He's a legend at the moment. Yeah, he is now. He is indeed, yeah. But I mean, you know, Russ is... Um, I think the biggest thing perhaps with, with Russ being in charge, given his, his long association with the club, is that you know, everybody knows he cares. He's, 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 you know, everybody knows he's got Scunthorpe United at, at heart because he's, he's, he's almost part of the furniture in the same way that, that Brian Laws was, really, I think. Chris, uh, I'm a Berry fan. I was at the game um, on Boxing Day at Gig Lane, mm-hmm. which I'm sure you were there. And obviously, Sam oh. Winnell scored uh, twice, I think, in that game and got sent off as well. Um, yep. He's the top scorer in the division this season. Tell us a bit more about him and uh, and why he's, uh, he's sort of banging them in so, uh, so freely at the moment. Well, <laughs> Um, he's coming to the side in, in the summer having been freed by Wolves um, this is his first full season of first team football um, and while I think Sam has certainly got you know a lot of self-confidence and a lot of belief in, in his own ability he's perhaps had to show it to, to other people as well and, and, and Scunthorpe obviously saw a bit of potential in him to, to give him a contract in, in the first place um, he's, he scored goals in, in a couple of loan spells that he'd had particularly on loan at Burton Albion a few years ago but then had, had quite a nasty injury that that, um, that put him out of action for quite a while. So he's just really thriving, I think, on the opportunity to play football. And his his goals have been quite varied. Um, they started off being being more sort of 
uh, fox in the box type finish. He's just been in the right place at the right time. But as as he's grown in confidence and 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 Scunthorpe have grown in confidence and have started creating more chances, he's become a very good uh, playing off the off the last man, just off the shoulder of the last man. In you know several one on ones, put away some really really tidy finishes in the um, in a game with Rochdale on New Year's Day when they won three uh, 0 He put two lovely balls away into the bottom corner, and and he just I mean he's, he's like all goal scorers, you know. Once he's got a few, he's up and running, and he's flying, and, and he looks like you know he looks full of confidence. A lot of clubs, I think, in this situation where you're, you're top over the Christmas and New Year period, you know, flying high, maybe don't want to change too much, don't want to mess with the winning formula as it was. But Scunthorpe have been very, very busy in the early part of the transfer window. You've got David Sears, Marcus Williams, Andrew Boyce, Paul Hayes, and obviously Paddy Madden, who for me is kind of the headline signing because he was absolutely brilliant for Yeovil last year in League One, and that, that signing is a, a real sign of intent, isn't it? If if Russ Wilcox can get him playing the kind of football he was at Yeovil last season, a huge part, then he's going to be a force to be reckoned with. Yeah, definitely, and 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 they, you know, the club have, have said as much that um, that bringing in Paddy is a sign of their in, intent and their ambition. You know, not just for this season, but beyond as well, given what he's achieved uh, in League One. With regards to the other signings, um, they've certainly been busy, but there's been quite a common theme in that. Um, you know, Marcus Williams, David Sires, Andrew Boyce, they've all been on loan with the club for um, for a couple of months and have been part of this fantastic run that's, that's got them up to the top end of the table. So um, although they are coming in on full-time deals, you, you know, you, they're not really new faces. And, and so I would kind of argue that they're not really tinkering too much with, with what's going on. Just they're securing just kind of the services what, what was of the already players, in yeah. place. Yeah. Just looking at the table, Scunthorpe obviously top, but I mean it's incredibly tight, isn't it, Chris? I mean, if you look at from uh, first down to seventh, there's only eight points in it at the moment. Going into the this sort of second half of the season, are you confident that Scunthorpe can uh, mount a, a, an automatic promotion challenge, or do you think it's going to be one of those where it's kind of they're going to go up, they're going to be in the top three for a bit, then they're going to drop down, they're going to go back up again? It's going to be one of those years. Well, up until probably about the last few weeks or so, even maybe going into into Christmas, just sort of before Christmas. I would have said the latter. I would have said that, you know, be prepared for it to ebb and flow. Um, teams are going to change around, you know, quite frequent intervals. I think as we've seen kind of during the first half of the season, it is. But I've really thought the way they've played uh, in the last few weeks, particularly, and they've had some tough games in, in that spell. You know, they, they won 2-0 at Oxford, who were, who were above them in second place at the time. Um, and then beat Rochdale 3-0, as I mentioned earlier, on, on New Year's Day at Glanford Park, just sort of three days later. And, and that kind of cemented the fact, I think, that they were they were genuine contenders. And, and they certainly have enough in their armoury now to stay up there. Whether they do or not, you know, will be dictated by the, the, the focus that they have. And the one thing that they have maintained throughout these, this great run, this great set of results, is that, you know, they've done nothing yet. They've won nothing yet. They've achieved nothing yet. And, and um, it was interesting. Russ Wilcox and, and Paul Hayes, after the game on Saturday, both said, you know, the moment we start to think that we're there is the moment we'll get turned over. So, you know, they're grounded despite the fact that they're on this great run. And, uh, and that'll only serve them, serve them well, I think. Quick question about Brian Laws. Uh, that was when, when that was announced that he was leaving we were a little bit shocked by it mm. um, were you shocked by it and has the fans opinion of the decision changed because of the run that they've been on certainly with the, with the latter I think it was it was probably quite a split decision um, some saw it as, as disappointing given where the team were in the table others would argue that the fact they were where they were in the table when they should have been higher uh, given as we've seen by the, the last few weeks, you know, the potential that was there in the, in the squad, that, that, it, that it was the right decision. Um, did it come as a surprise to me personally? Not really. Um, I can see why it would 
to those who hadn't been watching Scunthorpe and, and had only been kind of following it from 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 afar uh, because of the league position, because they were quite handily placed, you know, not too far below the playoffs. I just think having been to games and, and when you saw, all right, they were picking up results, they were never really doing it with, with, with much authority. You know, they were doing just enough um, on occasions to, to get results rather than, than, than kind of go out and, and make a statement, particularly like they have in the last few weeks. And, and the chairman had, had always kind of maintained through, through several sort of uh, press interviews and, and statements on the club website that um, he wasn't particularly impressed with performances and felt that they could be doing a lot more than they had been doing. And, uh, and I think we've kind of seen, you know, since Brian's gone, that um, they've really pushed on and, and have really begun to, to fulfil that potential that, that so many people, I think, knew they had. Are you expecting any more activity before the end of the, the transfer window? There'll certainly be some outgoings, I think, as they try and balance out the um, the wage budget a little bit more. Don't be surprised also um, if they complete a deal to bring in um, Gary McSheffrey, who wow. was on trial with them last week, played for the reserves, mm-hmm. scored a hat-trick against Sheffield Wednesday. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure that they'll they'll do something to try and, tell you what, uh, try if you, and secure him. If you've got Winnell, Burton... Madden, Madden and McSheffrey. For that level, that's, that's a hell of a strike, strike force. It is, yeah. I, I think probably McSheffrey will come in with a view to maybe playing out wide and, and, and give them a few more options out there rather than through the middle, where it seems that you know they've already got an embarrassment of riches. <laughs> Good stuff. Well, Chris, uh, best of luck for the rest of the season. I imagine you're looking forward to it. Thanks for coming on. Pleasure. We appreciate it. That's Chris Sumter, who is the sports editor at the Scunthorpe Telegraph on We Are Going Up. Next, it's time for the return of my club, everyone's sort of favourite bit of the show, where we give football League fans, 125 seconds to tell us all about their club. Remember, all to celebrate the 125th anniversary of the Football League. And today, the focus is on Tranmere Rovers. This is We Are Going Up. My club in 125 seconds. Hello, I'm Kenny Orr, and my club is Tranmere Rovers. Okay, Kenny, can you remember your first ever trip to Prenton Park? My first trip to Prenton Park was back in 1993. I look this up today. Uh, It was against Sunderland. And we won 4-1, surprisingly. But I remember, what I mainly remember, was being in the rain for about 90 minutes on an open terrace. <laughs> so by the end of it, I was pretty soaked. I was going to ask you about Sunderland. Were you there for the, the infamous cup game against Sunderland? I was, yeah. With the 12 um, players? Yeah, I was, unfortunately, I was at the uh, kind of like opposite end of the ground. So none of us had a clue what was going on. And suddenly, my granddad just went... Hold on, we've got eleven here, <laughs> and everybody around us started going. That's right. Sorry, it wasn't twelve. Yeah, it was. You had a man sent off, and you and brought, yeah, and it brought on a player to replace on a sub. Uh, yeah, it was the they worked it out in the end. It was the fourth official got the numbers wrong. Well, nothing changes, so, there, does it? Yeah. And then the referee who actually did that game where we had him next, we got we didn't get a decision all night, and we lost four <laughs> 0 no. to Reading. Sorry, so we, yeah, he made up for it. I was going to ask, who is the worst signing? Oh, the Tranmere Rovers have made during your time as, as a fan. Oh my word, there's so many. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, could, I could give you about twenty from this season. Um, probably Kevin Gray, who was a fat centre back, who I think we got from Huddersfield or somebody like that. He was just—he looked like something out of a pub team. Basically, <laughs> and kicked anything that got near him. Your favourite Tranmere goal ever? Favourite Tranmere goal ever would be Stuart Barlow. Uh, against Southampton in the 4-3 comeback in the FA Cup which was unbelievable is the only word I can use really So just to just to bring it back to current day then are you going to stay up this year? Short answer no I don't <laughs> think we will Optimistic We're going through Yeah I know Yeah, we're going through too many players and Ronnie Moore still persisting with 4-4-2 which just is not working so unfortunately I think it's going to be this, 
the year we finally go down. Kenny, your two minutes is up. Thank you very much. Cheers, lads. My club in 125 seconds. We are going up. We've got the Football League covered. Right, so we'll have another one of those on the show next week. And I should say, by the way, if you do live in or around Manchester, or you're going to be there anytime soon, it is well worth paying a visit to the brilliant National Football Museum at Urbis because there is a fantastic exhibition on at the moment, James, uh, which is all about uh, the Football League's 125th anniversary. So it ties in nicely with that. Uh, The stuff from each of the uh, 72 Football League clubs in there, including signed replica kits from all this season's squads, uh, plus the best thing about it, it's completely free to get in. Uh, we're actually hoping, I think, aren't we, to get up there ourselves at yeah. some point yeah, before the end of the awesome season and record, yeah, record some stuff up there. Uh, so that's all the National Football Museum, which is at Urbis in Manchester, right by Victoria Train Station, if you want to find out more about 125 years of the Football League. Right now, though, it is time for our weekend review. And, Jim, I'm going to make a call. Um, I'm going to make a call. So, uh, as I speculated earlier, I don't know if he's at the Ballon d'Or. Maybe he's. Maybe he's, uh, he is. Maybe. maybe he is. Here we go. Right, let's let's ring Walker. Whenever you're ready, Dave. Just hand him Ronaldo his award. <laughs> Don't go. tell me he's not going to pick this up. Hello. Now, Hi. are you at the Ballon d'Or, mate? <laughs> Unfortunately, I'm not at the Ballon d'Or. No, I'm going okay. to go and watch The Hobbit. Right, I was going to say... 3D. So we're recording... There's a, there's a Lionel Messi joke in there, but we'll gloss over it. Go on, move on. So we're recording the show Monday night, as regulars will know. Uh, um, why can't you be here? Um, well, it's a very good reason. It's, uh, it's my dad's birthday. It is your dad's so, birthday. Oh, you well. Know, I thought I'd make an exception. Absolutely. Now, it's brave of you to come on, considering Watford are 14 places and 24 oh. points behind Leicester at this mm. stage of the season, down in 15th. We're going to start with Leicester. Uh, Jim, 4-1 victory against Derby on uh, Friday night. Five wins in a row, four points clear and utterly dominant as well. Yeah, I'm smiling just thinking about it. I can't let my face hurts. I'm smiling so much. <laughs> no, it was a great game. It was a great performance and it was dominant wasn't it from the world go derby had a little bit of possession in the first 10 minutes but we never really let them settle which is good i think we just showed everyone what we're capable of really because we can beat good teams like that and we have got title credentials hopefully and some of the link up play dc between uh, nugent and vardy was fantastic wasn't it absolutely yeah really impressive with nugent vardy uh, i thought lord dyer looked a real threat as well uh, his pace was a derby just couldn't handle it could he but I think, you know, it was both the goals that the, the Nugent and Vardy scored were richly deserved. I mean, we've talked about Vardy a number of times this season, but I think a word for David Nugent, really, because in times where we have spoken about him this year, there was a time when a lot of his goals earlier in the season were from the penalty spot. Uh, talk of Leicester perhaps bringing in another striker in the window, but uh, Nugent, certainly that performance, showed that you know, no new striker certainly is, is needed necessarily. He, he was excellent. No, absolutely. It was more about, I think, the, the game showed more about the link-up play between the two of them. It's not all about who scores the goals because David Nugent set up uh, the Richie Delat goal. Richie Delat's goal, Delatt. by the way. I've oh. never, I've never, I don't think I've ever seen him score. I think he scored once for us before. Possibly, Sweeping possibly move. Possibly twice in about two and a half years. So, yeah, that came completely out of left field. And then the um, the kind of weighted through ball for Jamie Vardy's goal, the fourth one, which was you know, on a plate and he he deserved his, uh, his play, man you, of the match you, award. You, Dave hinted at it there. You do seem to get an awful lot of penalties, so I've yeah, got to say. Yeah, we do. I think it's down to two players. It's down to, I think, probably 90% of them have been fouls on Jamie Vardy and fouls on Lloyd Dyer. 
the two of them are, are quick and I personally think Dyer's the quickest in the league I'm not sure if there's another player as quick at let us know over 30, 30 yards so if, there is, yeah. if there is then let me know because I'd be interested to know there's a lot of times before I mean you always get this thing coming up of you know how fast is this player how fast is that player this, this player can do 100 metres in, in, in 10 and a half seconds or whatever they should do a race yeah, they should, like the mascot race, but with wingers. Exactly, yeah. Absolutely. And um, DC, Steve McLaren said it was a bit of a reality check for Derby, that. Absolutely. I mean, they were absolutely flying, uh, but they've been sort of lessened there. And I don't know whether it was just, you know, players having an off day or just, you know, simply that, uh, you know, Leicester were just too good for them on, on the night. I, I, think, I think Derby, you know, in the great scheme of things, it might not be a bad thing, you know, for them to actually, you know, you don't want to lose to your promotion rivals obviously but trying to take some positives out of defeat if they could use it psychologically to kind of keep themselves grounded and, and come back stronger again and as we've said a number of times before it, the mark of promotion contenders how they react to defeats like this so McLaren will be looking for a, for a big reaction in the next game Absolutely OK right let's move on to Burnley then 2-1 winner Yeovil Danny Ings with another absolute worldie and uh, speaking about uh, Leicester having goals in them 33 between Ings and Vokes already Ings. Jim oh, sorry go on Dave Hashtag Vings Yes absolutely and they've brought in Ashley Barnes as well who isn't bad for a third striker from Brighton No uh, he's another one of those players that I think is sort of Got on with it, you know, got on sort of under the radar a little bit over the last few years, but steadily improved down at Brighton. Stepped in when Ejoa was injured uh, for a good few months this season and carried the workload. And that's a good signing, I think, from from Brighton. I don't think he will have, you know, cost uh, an exorbitant amount of money, but he's someone that can come in and contribute and, and add to the group of players that Burnley have got. He's, I think he's very much in the mould of a lot of the players that they signed in the summer. You know, unspectacular, not not a household name. But he's going to contribute uh, to, to Burnley, and, he, and it's a sort of signing that you know a club in Burnley's position is going to strengthen them, and they are obviously prepared to, to back Sean Dyson and really give him the opportunity to capitalise on this you know unexpectedly good season. But Barnes is going to have to work hard to get into the team, really, isn't he? <laughs> Definitely. And Jim, if you just look at the table, it was quite an interesting weekend because uh, below uh, Leicester and Burnley, there were wins for QPR, very impressive win away at Ipswich. Blackburn won, Wigan won, Reading won, Brighton won. It's uh, it's all nicely hotting up. Yeah, it certainly is. It's, it's kind of disappointing when you get that big win on a Friday night and you think, right, you know, we've <laughs> set the bar now. And then obviously the, the elation with the win in itself. And then you see all the W's coming down the league in terms of, you know, QPR, uh, as you said, and Burnley and, and Brighton. Uh, Forest got another decent result as well Wigan as you say going to be right up there so it's going to be very very tight and we are only four points yeah can I say by the way um, great goal by Nico Cranchar for for a QPR there was a brilliant goal made scramble in that game there was we've had a hell of a lot of them at the moment not not quite as good as getting him into Peterborough no 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 it was a a higher quality of goal scramble if you like fitting of the occasion you know FIFA have got the Pushcast Award <laughs> yeah. he's been awarded tonight Goal Mouth Scramble of the Year, year. We need, who's the player that can embody the Goal Mouth Scramble of the Year I don't know no. I've just seen someone tweet a picture of Ashley Young winning the Ballon de Floor which oh. I quite liked oh, no. so, yeah, so Goal Mouth Scramble's the next one sorry leave Ashley Young alone All right, okay uh, right, let's talk a bit about um, Sheffield Wednesday. I've obviously covered that game from a Leeds perspective a lot, a lot on the show, but we should mention it from a Stuart Gray's position because DC, when you're trying to get a, a full-time job uh, to beat Leeds 6-0 in that fashion, could be the result which seals it for him with Milan Mandaric. Yeah, and you have to wonder what more can he do, really, to get the job. Um, He's the perennial he, caretaker, isn't he? He didn't really give anything away after the game again when pressed on it, but... 
I also sort of cynically wonder whether Milan Madrid is sitting up there going, oh, Christ. <laughs> he's got a big name now. lined up and now he's yeah. going to have to appoint exactly. Stuart Gray because yeah, he tank leads 6 0. Would you? But a fantastic performance and, you know, he, he can't do any more. He beat your local rivals, one of your local rivals, 6 0 in that game. It was, a, it was a thrashing. I mean, it could have been more than six, really, couldn't it? They played excellently well. So I don't know why you just kind of you wouldn't want to mess with something that's clearly going quite well at the moment. DC, it's that time of the week on the show where we need to talk about the pitch at the Valley. It's becoming a bit of a routine, this. Charlton Barnsley called off at one o'clock on Saturday. You were, I mean, really poor. And it, it wasn't even raining on Saturday. It was a glorious it was lovely, day wasn't it? in London. Um, and, and apparently, after speaking to, I was spoken to quite a few Charlton fans on Twitter after that, when that was announced, and said that there was a, a bubble all over the pitch um, all week to try and keep it dry and, and to dry it out, but they still couldn't get it playable. They have already said that the next game will be on. But yeah, I, which I is they may regret that. Which is know? Tuesday night against Oxford, um, which yeah. they've already tried to play twice the yeah. cup, the cup yeah. game, and um, so that's what three games now postponed, and the yeah. one against Doncaster, which was abandoned halfway through. Yeah. I, I don't think it's it's unfair to ask the question about should there be any penalties yeah that's what I was I mean, thinking I don't know off the top of my head what, what the kind of record is for amount of postponements on a pitch in, in a season obviously they can't control the weather that's, you know, that, that's fine oh. but what's going on I'm coming to take you away <laughs> DC fine. they can't control the weather but they can control the maintenance of their own pitch and you know it's been raining solidly in most parts of the country for about the last month yeah. hasn't it and you know there's not been that many postponements certainly not at championship level you know, this is a club that was in the Premier League for a very long time. So you'd expect that they, you know, get those sort of things sorted out and dealt with so they're not a problem. And it's, it's not good. It's not good for Charlton themselves, not good for the opponents. So it's a bad situation they need to rectify. Well, the penalty for them, obviously, is going to come in the fact that they have to play so many games in such a short period of time in the next few months. It's going to be a, a crammed end of the season as it is without adding an extra four games in. Yeah, um, and you've got to feel sorry, most of all, for the Barnsley fans who yeah, are probably down know, in London by that, by that point. Well, you would hope so. Well, they're getting, I, know that, kickoff. I know that the ones have prepaid are getting a free ticket to the Blackpool home game this weekend, which is at least it's a, a little, waste of a Saturday, though, isn't it? It's as much as Because you would have been on the train and at it's one not, o'clock. It's not you Barnsley's been on the fault, train. is it? No, the it's not. They've done their best. Right, down into League One then. Mark Warburton has managed six games as a manager in his career and he's got 100% record and Brentford (laughs) (laughs) resign right now. Brentford have won eight games in a row, uh, DC. So, uh, I mean, they're they're looking imperious at the moment. Well, they've certainly stepped it up, haven't they, since we saw them uh, labour to defeat against Leighton Orient earlier in the season. Well, those are the top Um, two we saw now. Yeah, I mean, exactly. They didn't look anything like the team that they are now back then and they've come good really they've always had the squad you know they've retained the majority of the squad for the last season they've got a, uh, an excellent youth set up there good young players that's not, not only the ones that they've developed themselves ones that they've cherry picked you know for sure from Everton being the prime example really um, and you know in Warburton they've got a man who was you know previously the sort of technical sporting director I think or something like that at Brentford and he's going to be very much you know keen to continue that progression of, of young young talented players playing you know good attractive football so I think he's uh, he certainly had a fantastic start uh, and he's an interesting appointment not many people would have expected it but and he's not necessarily somebody with managerial experience in his background but I think he was going to keep it going you know why not it could be one of their most successful managers they've had in a very long time Good win for uh, Wolves against Preston which scuppered uh uh, Marco has sporting bet. Um, yeah, treble. Free, cost, cost sporting bet an absolute fortune. Freebie at the weekend. That result. But it was an important win for Kenny Jacket after the defeat at Gillingham last week. Uh, one team I did want to mention, again, Orient won uh, comfortably against Carlisle. Uh, Swindon, who were imperious at home, be 
beat Peterborough. Now, this is interesting, Jim, because Peterborough, their season is imploding at they're the moment. On an absolute they're an absolute run. shambles. They're I think that's four defeats in a row. And there was uh, Lee Tomlin sent off and Darren Ferguson. Such a stupid red card as well. Darren Ferguson said he's not going to let him leave the club now, oh even, if, even if they were going to accept the Celtic offer anyway. They're, they're going back to the, the Peterborough old where they used to concede so many goals so regularly but at least then they had in lights of Craig and Kel Smith and George Boyd and Aaron McLean scoring four or five goals a game but now you're just conceding two or three and, and not getting They're only back. just in the playoff places I think DC yeah, at the moment Yeah really bad I mean I thought I saw uh, John Beryl who we've had a number of times talk about Peter for haven't we he was absolutely outraged at, at, the, at the kind of stuff that was coming out from the club you still got Darren McCantony saying they're still going to get promoted but the automatic promotion spots look a long way off look a big ask for Peter but it's going to take a real solid uh, run of form for them to get back into that picture uh, and we're only just over half a through the season which you think about the way that they ended last season you know they only went down on the last day uh, and they, they, the, the form because they, they lost was it, the first six or seven games last season so you, that was where the damage was done but the rest of the season you know they're basically a mid-table championship club in terms of their form uh, and they haven't really you know they've basically got most of the same players that they had last year so to, to be this far off the automatic promotion picture, to fall so rapidly, because when they were, you know, the first few months, it was all going okay, but they've fallen off the face of a cliff, really. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, it's not good, and the Peterborough fans are not happy at the moment. And that uh, Nile Ranger goal in that game was interesting, by the way, because he was nearly booted out of another club. He certainly was. Because uh, he not, hadn't been showing up for training. He uh, just fancied a lion, I think. He did. And, um, so it was put he, to the, I mean, the players, wasn't it? And they sort of elected to yeah. let him stay. It's ridiculous, though, really. I mean, it, it, this is a boy. I remember watching his debut. His debut, actually, was against Leicester, Jim, uh, St. James's Park, yeah. in the Championship when Newcastle won the title that year. I remember watching it on a Monday night, and they, the commentators make a big fanfare of this guy, Niall Ranger, who'd come on, making his debut, teenager, you know, local lad, through the academy, he'd scored loads of goals in the youth team. I, remember I used to watch him score you finding a few goals, goals in YouTube, some spectacular goals yeah. he scored, and... and he had, you know, all the talent there at his feet to go on and make an impression, but obviously he's got such, you know, problems in, in terms of discipline and towing the line and being a professional. If you look um, on his Wikipedia, there's like a little section about his football and 90% of the pages right. are about yeah. his private life. Yeah, yeah. His private life. It's, it's a real shame because you just wonder whether or not he's going to be able to, you know, actually knuckle down and make a genuine career out of it because he's been given chance after chance after chance. And I guess it proves, like we've, you know, has been said with many cases when, when people do bad things off the pitch, ultimately your ability to score goals and be a, be a good footballer does always ring true at the end of the day and people will take chances on you and give you opportunities to play. You know, you can debate the rights or wrongs of that. But, you know, he, this guy's really in danger of throwing away what could be a spectacular career. I mean, he's thrown away, you know, probably already an opportunity perhaps to be a Premier League footballer. Um, but, you know, he's trying to make something of it now and he's, he's scoring the occasional goal, scored again at the weekend, as he said. But, you do worry about him. Um, I think that Wickham's away kit might have a new rival in my worst kits of the season. I don't know if you saw the highlights of Colchester 3, Gillingham 0. Gillingham's it's away kit, Palermo, everyone. isn't it? It's pink slash purple. It's a monstrosity. They deserve to uh, to lose just for playing in that. That's a little sort of side note to the action from uh, League 1 at the weekend. Into League 2 then. It looks like the, uh, the curse on York City's been lifted. Ever since we mentioned how terrible Nigel Worthington was doing, they've gone and won three straight games. Uh, the latest away at Northampton at the weekend to give them a bit more even space down the bottom. In fact, they're up to 14th now. But if you look at the top DC, as ever, it's titled there. We've obviously talked about Scunthorpe a lot on the show uh, earlier when we spoke to Chris. Uh, but up there, Chesterfield won and five of the top six won. Burton and now 11 games unbeaten. It's uh, still very, very tight. Yeah, who's the only one of the uh, top six who didn't win? The only one of the top six who didn't win were... 
Hang on, let me get I the can tape. Tell you. Uh, hang on. Oxford. It was Oxford, yes. That's right. And uh, they were the team that I had. My, the, all the other teams in my uh, in my bet uh, one except Oxford. Hang on a second. That's not right. That, Oxford didn't win. They're in seventh though, so they're not in the top six. Yeah. I think they were. They might have been. Southend yeah. were the were the team in the top six before people pick us up on that stat. But yeah, uh, the only team you already accumulated. But you did win the accumulated, didn't you, the weekend? Well, I had two. Yeah, I did also win. You know, you know, I backed. Speaking of Leeds, I backed Torquay. Mm, uh, great win, Chris that. winning his first game away at AFC Wimbledon, who hasn't been doing too well of late. And we'll we'll see. I suppose in the next game whether that's just sort of morale boosted victory because of the new man coming in, or whether he can actually sustain it. But it was a great way to start for him. It was. I should mention the uh, the Wolves loney Zelly Ismail, who set up two, those two goals for Burton. He looks like want to watch he was uh, rapid down that right hand side just before we wrap this up a quick little bit on the transfer window so far quite a few uh, movers and shakers outside the stuff we've already talked about with uh, Leeds and Scunthorpe Uh, Leon Clark handed in a transfer request at Coventry Jim yeah I mean this is something that I thought might happen before the start of the season in that a lot of their more established players might want to go elsewhere because at the time I, th- I think that you know the club weren't going to be able to guarantee to pay their wages and things like that there was all kinds of financial question marks over the over the club but he has been in incredible form he has scored a shed load of goals the first half of the season and perhaps he, he thinks now is the time to grasp maybe a move to the championship and see if he can well, score goals uh, at, DC, at league higher I don't know if you know more, more about this but the Rima was Wolves apparently they're his hometown club yes they are it's where he started off 10 years or so ago now, maybe something around that. Um, and I, I saw a few people, a few Wolves fans de- debating this, whether I think the Wolves fan cast did a poll on Twitter and uh, asking whether they would have him back because I, I don't think he's the most loved of players for various reasons that he, all the clubs he's been to. He's obviously had that, the, the big bust up with the Canios, the, the reason that he'll kind of be most notable for having his goal scoring exploits. But he has shown something in, in spells at, at most of his clubs that he has got the ability to score goals as he's doing so at Coventry. So there's something there to work with and maybe, you know, it's finding the right manager who can, who can get it out of him. And Kenny Jackett perhaps could be that one, but I don't know whether Wolves... Do Wolves need him? I mean, Wolves have been linked with a lot of players at the moment. They were, they were in for Naki Wells before he went to Huddersfield. Uh, I think they've been linked with Callum McGregor, the um, young lad who's on loan at Notts County from Celtic. And they've certainly, they've certainly got resources there to strengthen the squad, but they've already got a pretty impressive squad, haven't they? You mentioned Naki Wells, so Jim, that was the one I was going to come to. That I mean, that's the main deal that's been done so far. Last minute winner yeah. on his debut for Huddersfield Dream against Star, isn't it? He doesn't have to move house, probably. No. He's gone up a division. Yeah. But to a lot of people, that would be. I'm quite surprised the team sort of higher with no disrespect to Huddersfield didn't, yeah. didn't, didn't go for him. Maybe it is more of a local issue than we give it credit for. I mean, a lot of times footballers move around the country and around Europe, you know, to find the football that's right for them. But maybe this played a big part in it Huddersfield are going well you know they, they could be outsiders for the for the playoffs as well it's a strange one as you said in terms of I think a lot of the bigger clubs in inverted commas forgive me Huddersfield fans but a lot of clubs with a bigger profile were in for him but maybe that f- is where he feels he's best to progress his career and maybe he'll get more first team football there you know rather than Jack Butland who moved to Stoke and had a lone spell at Barnsley that didn't go quite too well and now he's having to play because uh, two goalkeepers are injured maybe he feels he, he gets a first team spot there more regularly DC does no, that surprise I, you? I about, yeah well I don't know not really. I think he's, he's, he, he, not too long ago, this guy's playing you know, in, in League Two. So he has come a long way in a short space of time. And there are some people who believe he'll be a premiership footballer one day, whether that'll be with, with Huddersfield or not, we'll see. But I think it's a good signing for Huddersfield. And I don't think it's the worst move for Naki Wells. When James Vaughan gets back fit again, that's a good strike partner mm. to be playing with. I think Huddersfield are a club that are slowly moving in the right direction. Mark Robbins is doing a decent job there. You know, they seem to have quite a good setup off the pitch. And similar to Burnley, they, they do remind me of Burnley in some respects. And I wouldn't be totally surprised whether, whether next season 
with, with Vaughan and, and Wells up front and, and maybe a few more additions uh, in the summer, whether they could be next season, Burnley perhaps, who, who a surprise promotion contender. Not a bad show. Right, we're going to leave you to it, mate. Enjoy the, the film. OK. I'll um, see you next week. So what is it? Well, it's The Hobbit, did you say? The Hobbit, yeah. I've not seen part two yet. Part, I could enjoy part one, though. It's supposed to be better than the first one. All right, OK. So I'll let you know. OK, mate. Bye. See ya. He's gone. Right, and um, before we go any further, before we go, a quick fantasy football update. Yeah, I've been having a look and uh, no surprise to see Garen Mackay's resign or die. Still, still at, the, at top the, top. the top of the league. Um, resign or die romping it. Slackers FC are about 35 points behind. Uh, Who's so that? Who's that teams? is Jim Stewart Evans. Okay. So if he could uh, up his game a little bit and potentially give us a, a battle for the first Wooden place. Spoon? Who's, who's got the wooden, wooden spoon at the moment? Spoon. Scroll down, I keep scrolling. To... Let's hope it's one of us. Sonny Morell. Oh, Sonny. Uh, Sort he's only out. getting about 10 points a week so That's I don't poor. know who he's got in there probably some players who don't probably really play for their teams anymore I'm trying to think who my top scorer was in the championship so he's can't remember is it Jordan Rhodes that's not actually too bad I did have Rennie Jordan Howe by right. the way in League 2 who's just been sold so that's going well <laughs> good work maybe take um, and who's the, the highest ranking out of us uh, the highest ranking out of us is it you give me, no it's not me oh, okay. I've been slacking I believe it is Carl uh, in 20 seconds uh, then it's you oh hello 27 I've changed my team since about September <laughs> I'm in 32nd and then I, I don't know my mouse is going to run out if I have to scroll <laughs> down far enough to find Dave I don't know where he is so uh, if you are in our league come on get your act together there's still there's still a silverware up for grabs or well, sort of Champions League places because you ain't going to catch resign or die are you but uh, get on there fantasy uh, dash football league whatever put it into Google uh, it's a ne- really difficult URL we sort can, it out we can never football. remember it sort it out um, right that's it for uh, this week's show uh, thanks to uh, all our guests as ever thank you Jim yeah, I'd be Rob. interested to see what happens at Leeds at the weekend. If yeah, you, if well, you... we've set ourselves up for a fall now. We've <laughs> previewed how bad Leeds have been, and then oh, I've said how good, how wax lyrical <laughs> yeah. about Leicester, and then we're going to get pumped. Get your money on that on, yeah. on your acker. Uh, the Twitter is at Wagyu Podcast. The SoundCloud page is soundcloud.com slash Wagyu Podcast. You can rate and review us on iTunes, and there's some new blogs which have gone up as well, which are well worth a read. If you go to wearegoingup.co.uk, enjoy your week, everyone. Uh, we'll be back in, well, a week's time, surprisingly. This is the We Are Going Up podcast. We've got the Football League covered. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.